0: Hey everybody, um sorry for just being a little late. Uh you know, seeing movies and life itself kind of hemmed up my uh recording and editing schedule. Uh so um we're talking about episode two of the HBO series Watchmen. Um so with a quick recap, the episode begins in World War One, which is quite surprising in a, I guess, a um, secretary's uh, group. I forgot what they were called because I'm not old. Um, a German officer asks for one of them who's fluent in English to come as he then dictates a letter to black soldier, American soldiers um, telling them, you know, leafless to pass down on to them, telling how they should not be fighting in this war against Germany because there's no reason for them as they don't have equal rights in their home country of the United States. Why are they involving themselves for sacrificing their lives in this war? That really has nothing to do with them. We see real Reeves's dad, who died in the beginning of the first episode in the Tulsa massacre. Uh, we see young Will reading this letter. It then blends into uh, older Will reading this letter again as we get to where we were at the end of the first episode when Angela, a.k.a. Sister Knight, pulls up on him after Ch- Chief Police Judd has been uh, hung from the tree. Well, Lynch, let's keep it a, a buck. And now it's basically from Will's perspective. She then takes him back. To his to oh not his, to her secret bakery uh base, you know, the front, and she begins to question him, in which she gets responded to with mysterious quirky answers that confuses her. He then tells her that Chief Judd has skeletons in his closet. She needs to look into. Um, she then receives a phone call that Chief Judd has been murdered and is hanging from a tree. Being before Will called her, that's how she knew I went to the scene. She did not report that in to the rest of the police. She now has to fake shock and surprise. And then she goes down to the murder scene again sees uh, there's a bunch of paparazzi or press. They boarded off the site. She sees the police. They're not in a good state of mind, being that their beloved chief is has been killed. She has a pretty interesting interaction with Looking Glass that very much, at least from the way I took it, Remind you of the interactions of Rorschach with Night Owl, with um, Looking Glass being very cold in his questioning of Sister Night, since she was she saw him last being, as we saw in the first episode, they had that celebratory dinner. She was the last person to see him, well, her and her family and his wife, before he was killed. She retorts that, like, you know, basically, you're questioning me. uh, You don't seem sad that he's dead either. And then he responds, basically, then why do I have all these tears underneath this mask? And another thing that was interesting is that he chooses... I know they have to keep their mask on, but the way in which he keeps his mask on, he like takes, I think, um, like a bag of nuts out of her glove compartment and starts eating them. And again, it's very referential into the way in which Rorschach would interact with Night Owl as he would just lift up his mask a little bit enough to eat food and continue being his persona of Rorschach versus Kovacs. And at this point in time, I think they're doing this purposefully. And then red scare, which is the police officer in the reddy's jumpsuit, ski mask, badge, and he is rushing. Um, he he ends up uh, dealing with a paparazzi or the press who, who like crash down. Because they have some type of weird flying mechanism to hover over. And, you know, a person calls him like, you know, you're some type of uh, Nazi or something. He's like, I'm not a Nazi. I'm a communist. But he also rallies up the police to go ride on Nixonville. And within the story, Nixonville is a place where poor white folks who live in... uh, trailers and who do not respect or like the current political leanings of the United States. They are conservatives, far right wingers who preferred the administration of Richard Nixon live and then they name their little towns, Nixonville. You can learn this by going to the PDPedia site, which is like, the in-universe supplemental material, much like the stuff that was in the book of Mace's autobiography, uh, the pirate comic, uh, news clippings, all the other stuff that was in the comic. After you finished the main issue, that was extra stuff. Same thing here. A lot of it is memos from this FBI agent named Petey. Writing about certain things that happens in the past that gives context written in the memo style as stuff that, you know, people in the FBI would use to understand certain goings on in the anti-vigilante task force that he's a part of. So where was I? Dang. Cops is riding on Nixonville. It gets really bad. It gets violent. As they decide, they're going to take in every person in Nixonville really, really, really hardcore, uh, let's keep it honest, cop-like shit. They start beating up people because some of the people, because also, the thing with Nixonville, a lot of the 7th Cavalry are members of this community, so they're like, we're going to take in the whole community. We'll find out who did this because the cops en mass believe the 7th Cavalry were the ones who killed Chief Judd. Now, we all know the Angel knows that's not the case is that Will is saying he did it. She's not letting that out yet. So they harassing all these poor white people. This scene also for me references It of the look and tone of when the comedian during the police strike of 1977 was with Night out in New York. And he was trying to basically get all the people to go home. And he's like, I got rubber bullets. I will shoot y'all. They were all anti-vigilante. Blah, 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 blah. Pro cop, anti-vigilante. You know, comedian, nihilistic, don't really give a damn. But Red Scare gave off them good comedian vibes in this scene. During the foray of the cops running roughshod over the community, One of the Dixonville people almost get the sneak on looking Glass. Sister Knight yams him up, beats the brakes off of him a little bit too much. And it feels kind of like when Night Owl was like enjoying beating the shit out of people. But I don't even think that's an actual clue or a call back to anything else. She's just dealing with her own grief and trauma. She goes home. She uh sees her husband playing with the kids. She tells him, I'm gonna to talk to the boy, Topher. Tell him what happened to Chief Judd, who he sees like an uncle, grandfather type character. She has to talk with him, breaking it down. He because okay. Then they also, I might be getting a little too far ahead. Uh they show what happened. What they call the White Night, which is the night in which the Seventh Cavalry, it was on Christmas night, ran up in all the police house and just started murking all the police officers. You see him busting to her house, with her, her husband. You know she has to go super die hard, but she gets clipped, she bleeding out from the stomach. You see her, it looks like one of the Seventh is over, and then she like passes out. She wakes back up, she in the hospital. Chief Judd is there. He explains to her what happened. That her partner and his wife was murdered. The kids is on the Most of the, basically, all the other police officers that didn't get killed quit. And he's like, I want to stay on. What are you trying to do? And she's like, she's riding. You know what I'm saying? She's a G. And, you know, it goes back and you, when this talk with Topher, Comes into play with that. Because he's already. He was around when that happened. Like he saw his parents get murdered. So like death is. I think he doesn't like. But he's a little bit easier. He tells Angela. I'll tell the other two. His other younger siblings. Who basically. Angela and her husband. Basically raised since they was like. Babies for the most part. And then she talks to him. How like they both see the world black and white. Uh, He's building something. With these type of magnetic Floating. Like Tilly winks or something, and he like breaks that joint. You know, his like he's like angry. He's in with the grief. The black and white thing was interesting because again, that's a very randian concept. Again, Rorschach his belief there was no shades of gray. There's only black and white. There's only good and evil. Rorschach himself is a play off of the question and Mr. A, a later version that Steve Ditko made. That's an even more Randian concept of that type of hero. with black and white. So, and you know, for some people who don't know more was playing off of that. Since, of course, Watchmen is a playoff of the Charles of Heroes with Steve Ditko very much a part of creating. So he's showing some of the flaws of that type of hero. Which is interesting. Assistant Knight brings up some of that mentality that there's no shades of gray. It's only good guys and bad guys. It's only good and evil. And then you're gonna see some Lord of the Lord of the Country Manor. You know, the guy we all supposed to believe is Adrian Veidt, um, aka Ozamindious, played by Jeremy Irons. He got his little assistant to put on a play. We found out the play is the origin of Dr. Manhattan. How John Osterman ended up in like the little nuclear collider or whatever, and was turned into Dr. Manhattan. Um, so he having to recreate this, he ends up really lighting one of the the guy on fire, to burning him up, and, and like he kills him to get like the lady assistant to actually cry then a guy flows down, painted blue, all but naked. His things hanging out. I'm like HBO's really on the having the, the male genitalia out this year. Nothing against it. It's just it's a lot in a lot of shows this year. It's a lot. Um, then you it's, it's the whole origin. Then you find out like um all the little other assistants that are helping put on this play for him. they're all of the same male and female. So they're clones. Um, this is, again, another callback because Mandius cloned his uh, his pet Lynx, the purple Lynx-type cat, Buobastus, uh back in the old book. So it's, it's another callback to what he has done and what he's done before. We still really don't know where in the world he is, though. Um, we, we then go back, uh, Angela has to go to this, uh, dinner that's meant to honor, um, Chief Judd at his wife's house. There we meet Senator Joe King Jr. Um, Senator from Oklahoma, the, uh, son of the Senator who created the King Act the key act in the world of Watchmen is the anti-vigilante act that made mass vigilantes illegal. Um, that came into play again in the book, but his son helped put across a law that allowed police officers to then wear masks after the white night in which they were all like attacked in Oklahoma. This law only really exists within Oklahoma of what happened there with the 7th Calvary so Angela's there she's greeting people she fakes fainting because she's super tough, she wouldn't faint um, wife takes her up to their bedroom so she can recover and goes back down to the party Angela puts on some um, x-ray specs, literally, some goggles that give x-ray I saw some people online questioning like they ain't got this out of there but they got that Again, if you read the book, Night Owl had them x-ray specs. Again, if you, it lets you know that Dan, aka Night Owl, is locked up. Sometimes, United States government likes to um, take people patents. Also, it might have been open long enough. You know, patents have a lifetime that they became open and people just started making them. Most likely, the police force. She got them joints. She sees that Chief Judd had a secret compartment in this closet. She's like, what is this? She opens it up. It's a clan hood with a badge on it. She's shocked. She's not happy. She takes it. She leaves. She passes it. She passes a painting on the way out of his house. That's a reference to the actual title. Um, the martial feats of the Comanche. Uh it's it's an interesting title. Um I haven't got the significance of that yet. I gotta I gotta keep it a thousand. Um she goes back. Wait, I'm also leaving something out. Oh, when she's leaving to go to the party to roll back, everybody, this is the premiere night of American Hero Story again. This peak TV in a peak TV show, kind of commenting on Peak TV in and of itself, which is the show is a it's a version of basically American Crime Story, which is a real show in, you know, our world that comes with FX. It takes his very famous cases and uh, portrays them into a dramatic narrative. The two main seasons being American Crime Story. The People vs OJ Simpson and American Crime Story the assassination of Johnny Versace both excellent excellent series you should watch whenever you have the time. So this is Minutemen focusing on hooded justice which is a hero the first mass Vigilante that we that uh, exists in the Washington world. Um, he becomes the leader of the Minutemen which is the golden age uh, justice society of America type of team. He is thought to be a Russian uh strong circus strongman that also was a Russian Soviet spy. Um, circus strongman being a thing because uh being that he's the first hero, he's a masked man. And in our world, in the references of Superman is that his gear was based upon uh, Circus Strongman. He was the first superhero, he appeared in 1938, blah blah blah. That's the play here. So, in the show version, you basically see them show, uh, like this weird narration over like a floating dead body in the river. In the book, they say that the man that they thought was City Justice died in the river and they never saw him again. That is one of the actually only open plot threads of all of the book of Watchmen for the most part, within like the narrative before things happen and not like the ending. Uh, but then it flashes back and it shows the first appearance of Hood of Justice and when she stops a robbery of a grocery store and it's hyper violent. It's like super action packed or whatever. And even before the show comes on, they have this big like warning thing like this show contains uh, a lot of violence and blood and all this stuff that they don't even do for our TV show. But you know, this world's a little bit more careful about what they be showing and like you can't have your kids shouldn't even watch this. Yeah, man, Topher watching that joint with his with his uh with his dad, his stepdad, you know what I'm saying, Angela's husband. He don't care, my man. Um, Looking Glass is watching it, very much like my guy Rorschach. He's watching it with his mask on, rolled up while he's eating some type of frozen food. Very Rorschachian, you know what I'm saying. Not like these Seventh Calorie's fools who want to be Rorschach. He kind of actually kind of fitting that narrative within this world he is that he's that placeholder you know what I'm saying like the looking glass mask might be his real face as he mirrors what he sees you know what I'm saying much as much as Rorschach's face his, his Rorschach test mask is supposed to show you you know what you see shows you know what I'm saying in the Rorschach test is what you believe or what you are you know what I'm saying looking glass is mirror your face showing you your true self you know what I'm saying like I really rocks with looking glass. First of all, he looks extra, extra gangster. He looks so tight. Amazing character design. Um, so yeah, we see that it has like crazy like narration it is like ah ugh. gravity, gravity, gravity. It works. Kind of mirrors things that happen in the episode. As the story within the story does. There's another thing that happens in this episode is that we get a new now we have a black guy with a newsstand. He's getting delivery of his magazines and newspapers, and they're talking about things, talking about politics, and the guy who owns the newsstand is talking to the delivery guy. So basically, think like all the candidates is bullshit. Sounds kind of like real life to me. And it was interesting. Some of the magazines they had up, like the Fader and Vibe. Vibe ain't been on newsstands in forever. Fader Ben gave up their print. And, you know, some other use of, like, kind of was, you know, Time Warner magazines before, like, they sold off time and all that type of other bullshit. But it was cool to see. It was also great to see that, again, they got a newsstand in here with a random conversation that might come back into play, you know, later on in the story. Because when you re-watching back in the day, well, I can't even say back in the day. When, I, when you first re-watch it, you like, why the hell we got to deal with this newsstand guy and this black kid? Then you figure out later, oh, the black kid is reading the pirate comic. Then you're like, oh, oh, you know. Then it comes into play at the end. Like, everything wraps itself up. So, I'm just saying, newsstand. Glad newsstand's in this. Um, Angela goes back to her bakery. She talks to Will, because she kept him there. Will is in there cooking some eggs, chastising her. Um, how she ain't got nothing and ain't got no sugar. And she's like, where'd you get all this stuff out? Like, he left. He didn't lift the cane back. She blown. She's like, how you gonna leave and come back? How'd you get out? You know, whatever. You know, he hitting her with the ill, wise old man questions. Answers them don't make no sense like Yoda or whatever. And then earlier in the episode, she does some investigating. She took like a little... He had him drink out of a cup. She took the cup. She got the joint test. You go up into like this little... Building that tells you what happened with the Tulsa Manic uh, massacre and how, like the descendants of the people who were, who were killed and massacred, basically they're um, they're the ones who get the reparations. You know, it's not it's not like full blown like all the black people in America get reparations. It's the people of Tulsa who get reparations. But what happened to them in the massacre? So she puts the little cup in there and on there you get the the treasury secretary, which is Henry Louis Gates Jr., which is funny because, you know, in the real world, Henry Louis Gates got the little show on PBS where he be finding people's history and whatnot. You know, he'd be having celebrities on there and be like, look at your family line. Oh, yeah, you might be part black, bro. They'd be like, oh, my God. Tears, tears, tears. So, yeah, I thought that was a nice little thing. He's in there. When she's in there talking to Will... She gets a call from the joint cuz they do the DNA test, you know, it's all computers and stuff. And it tells her like, "Oh, yeah, you are a descendant, you're, you know, able to get money. He has, you know, a certain number of family members and descendants." And she was like, and you and it was like, it tells her like, "Yo, you can ask Blase blah, blah." And she asks uh oh she asks her name. And she finds out through that 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 she is Will's granddaughter. I find this interesting because remember, my first episode, I'll let y'all know his full name is Will Reeves, which makes me think he's connected to Bass Reeves, which was that f- black uh, marshal, the inspiration for the Long Ranger, the movie serial he was watching, connected to this, the hero, you know what I'm saying, this hero narrative. And... See, I got some notes this time. I'm trying to get better. So she's not, he, you know, he asked, like, did your parents say anything about me? She's like, no. She had, a, like, a bad thing when her, I think her parent, her parents didn't, like, I think they died or something. I ain't going to lie. I probably got to watch the joint again to get that little tidbit of information out or I'm going to read about it. Um. She gets kind of frustrated with him because he's still talking to riddles. And he basically said, I got friends in high places. And she's like, you know what? I'm just going to take you in. He's like, all right. And she starts wheeling him out to her car. She picks him up out of the wheelchair, puts him in the car. Then all of a sudden, this flying ship comes down with a magnet, picks up her car, and flies away. And he waves who knows who saved him? I still think he got some type of connection with Dr. Manhattan somehow. Cause the note that said protect this boy flew out of the car and she caught it. On the on the other side of the note, this is protect this boy, is the is the letter, the pamphlet from World War One where the Germans was telling the black folks, it's like, y'all, you shouldn't even be over here. Y'all shouldn't be fighting this war. Uh, white folks in America don't fuck with you. Yo, that's real messed up. You should come on come over to Germany. You live a better life. Um, so yeah. So she's like, what the fuck just happened? And we got more mystery. Uh we still don't know much about the Lord in the country manner as he is named. Um, we do know that he, clearly he has a thing about Dr. Manhattan. The Watching the first episode, the play about the origin of Dr. Manhattan. Dr. Manhattan is still like this overwhelming presence within this world. Um again, I saw a lot of good callbacks to the comic. I still think Bass Reeves being aka, you know, the basically the original Lone Ranger is gonna have a larger effect on this story and the legacy of what Angela Sister Knight is uh i still think hooded justice connected to this i don't think Hooded. i think hooded justice might not be just one person or hooded justice is connected to bass reeves um and that maybe hooded justice was black as well he could have been a white dude and a black dude they could have switched off um real notice like you know in the previews um, Gene Smart plays Lori Blake, the uh Silk Spectre 2. Um, remember Hooded Justice uh beaked the comedian's ass after he raped her mom. I don't know if that's gonna come into play, but it just might. It just might. Um P-D-P-D-A on the HBO site, good resource, good information there. Good reading, and that's all I got. It was a well-shot episode. This is the show is knocking it out of the park. Um, I'm really diving into it. Uh, it's a good palate cleanser after that BS Game of Thrones ending. Um, I can't really get too shocked or anything. There's no way to messing up going off the book since it's after the book. Um, that being said, you know we already had a whack movie an okay number of prequels and a not uh, not to me for my taste a not that great sequel comic series but we ain't talking about that right now that was episode 2 of Watchmen Uh, I hope you enjoy this Um, I'll talk to you again soon when I uh, give you some of my thoughts on episode 3 and thanks to my patrons, thanks to people who like and share this on Twitter or whatever. Listen to this um, if you can, please share this. Uh, write reviews on Apple Podcasts and all that. It's on most of the main podcast things. I don't. I'm not on Pandora. I'm not on iHeart yet, um, but Stitcher. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts. I'm on that. I'm on that for sure, for sure. Um, hope you all have a good night. And peace. To, but I got to know. Are we still friends? We still friends Can we be and we be friends?